Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Today's episode is about influencing through communication or communicating influence is what we want to call it. We're going to go over many little areas uh, that that we want to kind of hit upon when it comes to actually communicating influence. Uh, There's four main key areas that we really want to concentrate on. One is effective communication. Two is good questioning skills. Three is good listening skills. And then four is the impact of poor questioning and listening. You know, and communication could be a very key aspect of being an influencer. But before we get too far into it, Ed, I want to I want to transition over to you and say, how has communication influenced you as a person, a husband, a father, a leader, whatever it be? Well, I think a big thing with uh, when you talk about communication and influence is, you know, you got to remember there's a lot of different parts of it, right? Like there's the message, you know, that I'm sending. It's how you receive it. There's feedback, which I feel like is a weakness for a lot of people and uh, they don't receive it so well. So, yeah, um, throughout my career, I mean, uh, you see all kinds of influence. You also see verbal and nonverbal, you know, just because somebody's telling you something you want to hear, their body language tells you something else. And, um, yeah, and how you talk. So the big thing as a, as a senior, the big thing is when you communicate with your subordinates, how you communicate with them is going to impact how they respond to what you're saying. And it's going to have a huge impact. So if you're doing a lot of profanity, a lot of screaming and shouting and jumping up and down, probably not going to lead to a, a real effective experience for that subordinate. Uh, you know, same thing if you belittle somebody in front of people, things like that, that stuff, that type of communication has no place and it's not going to be, it's not going to have a good influence. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that, you know, it's funny. You can grasp people's attention with just a whisper, just a whisper and how you pronounce your words, how you stretch your words can actually grasp a hold of more than screaming at them. Um, it's, it's funny how you say that, you know, I, I, I can say in my past that that's what I kind of was. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost ashamed of it, you know, <laughs> that I allow myself to get in that. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, how effective was I really, if I'm just going to be hollering at people or belittling someone, you know, and it took me a while to learn, you know, good human interaction to effectively communicate with others. Yeah. And then, so, you know, with me being where I am now in Europe, it's, it's different still. So, and I'm still adjusting to, there's not going to be an excuse me when somebody cuts in front of you in the store and they're going to walk super close and they may bump into you. There's not going to be, they're not going to say, excuse me, but they didn't mean no ill, ill by it. They didn't mean anything by it. It's just they don't communicate, you know, they don't communicate by saying, excuse me, when they do stuff that you consider rude. So that's kind of weird. I'm still adjusting to that uh, over here. But, you know, so I was the nonverbal guy. You you yelled and screamed. I was the nonverbal guy. I used to uh, give the look when I was upset. <laughs> if I get upset with a subordinate, I've given it to my siblings, my children, uh, my wife. Uh, when we're in the store, my wife and I joke that, you know, if somebody is 
kind of being rude, I'll give them blue steel. Remember that from uh, Zoolander? <laughs> I give them the blue steel look. I've actually done that to people uh, while I was in a crosswalk and they're like rushing to try to drive past me. I'll give them the blue steel look. My wife and I joke about it, but I'm more of a nonverbal, almost a nonverbal bully, especially as a younger uh, leader I was. Well, you know what? When we uh, release this episode, we're each going to give our best blue steel picture and we're going to put it on Facebook so all can see. <laughs> what do you think? You like that? Sounds yeah, sounds good to me. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's funny that you brought that up about the nonverbal and, and verbal, you know, because people don't realize and they don't pay so much attention to that as much. That really falls back in on, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, but that falls back in on that emotional intelligence that we we discussed on episode 17, you know, and, and if, listen, listeners, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to that episode, which I would think most everyone has, um, if you haven't, go back and listen to it because there's a lot to take in about emotional intelligence, which really fits together with communicating. Uh, with that, before we get any further, I want to remind you that we have the closed Facebook group page. Go on Facebook on the search function, type in 101 Influence. You're going to find what we consider, it's considered a business page, but it's really not a business. It was just we had to have some type of front page you know, with Facebook. But then it says visit group. Join that group, be a part of that group, be a part of the communication that we're going to talk about today because um, we we put our questions on there. Any question usually we ask from these podcasts, they go on the closed group page. That way we can create that community that we really set out to do together as an adventure and journey. Um, but let's let's dive right into this. Let's go over those four areas I talked about as we started up. All right. Right off the bat, effective communication. So let's identify different communication styles. You brought up one, uh, definitely was the nonverbal. Yeah. What do you find? What do you find key about nonverbal or or using it? So uh, a key weakness for me in nonverbal is body language. Sometimes I, I don't catch body language like I should, but I'll catch a look. You know what I mean? Like, so because I think it's partially because of where I grew up. So growing up where I did, if you look at somebody too long, they're definitely going to say, what are you looking at? Like, that's just how we grew up. So I pick up on somebody looking faster than I do their body language. Um, so yeah, that would be kind of key for me is the body language part of nonverbal. But there's other stuff like the one I hate is that lip smacking, that thing there. I hate that. It drives me nuts. But you'll have people do it when you're talking to them. And I'm like, what? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> well let's let's well no let's get it let's get into that. So let's actually define kind of what those. So let's let's say um, the look right. Let's say somebody's looking at you, and you glance and look at them but all of a sudden they look away from you real quick what could we you know identify that as uh to me that's almost like uh you know i caught them and it could have been an ill intent it could have not been it could have been whatever so you know in the gym right we just had our fitness episode we talked about so you, you see it a lot you can watch this happen you can watch a guy staring at a female and then the female turns her head and catches him. And then you see this dude like break his neck to spin away. Okay. Well, we know his intention wasn't the greatest. He was, you know, uh, uh, looking at this female and he got caught. So yeah, that could mean you got caught, but why were you looking in the first place? Yeah. you know, and it's funny because everyone's different. So we take different things to me. When I get that, I normally get that idea that they don't want to talk to me. 
because they were just curious to see what's going on or curious to see what I was doing or saying. But when I look at them, maybe, maybe they're just, maybe they're introverts and they don't want to engage in conversation. So they think looking away is going to disengage and then I'm not going to talk to them. I mean, so to me, oh, I like it. Yeah. But to see how it's funny. It's we're two different people. We just came up with two different uh, ideas behind somebody looking away real quick. And, and it, there's so many more like that. Let's, uh, what about, so that, that lip smacking, what do you get from lip smacking? What does that normally say to you or communicate to you? Uh, that almost, so I've always seen it as kind of a, almost like a disbelief. Like you're telling them something and then they, you know, they do that. It's like, I don't believe what you're saying. It's kind of what it communicates to me. Um, yeah, that's where I would have to go with that one. I have to agree with you because to me, when I hear, when, if somebody, or even I've done it before myself where you go, there may be a huff at the end or something, but it's the fact that they made that noise. It usually says the same thing to me. Like, yeah, whatever that type of, you know, instead of saying whatever, that's all they did. They just, they smacked their lips, but. So the huff is, the huff is different. So the huff, I normally associate that huff with your, you know, you're kind of exasperated or the whatever, but my wife just does the huff all the time. And so did her mother. Like it just comes all the time. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. And it's just a natural. And her mother did it too. It's really weird. So, you know, initially with my wife, I had to learn to deal with that. And I'm still working on it because there's times when it's like, I don't know, that huff seemed a little too well-timed right there. But yeah, so it's so weird. Like some things could be mean something, and then some people just naturally uh, do it. We talked about in one of the other episodes, the arm crossing being closed off, but my family just does it. We don't, we're not closed off. We're just That's just how we sit and watch TV. So it's kind of weird. Exactly. It's funny because uh, my wife, she'll do it too. And in my case, it's exactly what you're thinking. It's like, oh, no. What is about to come across my plate that I need to be aware of? You know, but then again, when I think of your, you say your wife doing it, the first thing that comes to mind, oh, she's just speaking Canadian. <laughs> That's not funny to all my Canadian family and friends. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we're just messing around. Uh, but in a sense, you know, you think about it like that. Or what about when maybe somebody uh, they throw their arms up at you? You know what I mean? Like up to your side at about a 90 degrees on each, you know, about 90 degrees. They just kind of arms all the way out where you come from. Somebody throws their arms up. So they're directly out. Palms facing you almost 90 degrees. Each arm almost like almost looks like they're about to hug you, but they're from a distance and they're throwing their arms up. What does that mean to you, Ed? I don't know. That's kind of threatening. <laughs> that might be that might that could be seen as a threatening gesture. It's kind of a halt stop thing. It's really weird. I'm doing it right now. I know the listeners can't see it, but I'm doing it right now. <laughs> to think about what I would see that as. Yeah, I would stop. Yeah. I would think I. Yeah, yeah. I would see it as threatening almost like because to me, when somebody throws their arms out, they're 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 literally they don't have to say anything. They're saying what you know, like. You got something? You got something wrong with me? You know, that type of thing. Like, oh. like there's about to be a problem between us. It's about to be beef, as it was. It would be, say, in the hip-hop <laughs> genre. See, we do a shoulder thrust when we do that. We don't put our hands out. We do more of a shoulder thrust forward. Like, what? And we kind of throw our hands out to our sides with it. But, yeah, I, I got you. I know what you're saying, though. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and if you think about it, too, though, different types of communication styles. Um, we Let's just – we'll jump into – let's say verbal 
you know, how we go about saying things. We talk about in the emotional intelligence uh, episode where really how your tone comes off can really, that can be a big part of the whole, you know, conversation. If, if I said to you, oh, I bet you really think you're special. The way I said it may, may kind of throw you off a little bit and think, well, he's kind of being a smart aleck. Or if I said, well, you know, I bet you really think you're special now. Or, you know, it just depends upon how I send the tone verbally. Oh, yeah. No, that's and that's where the danger in uh, the texting world comes. Right. Because you can't you can't convey a tone across the text. So it may be an innocent text, but the message may not come across. And it's funny you mentioned that. So, you know, how you say things can have a total different meaning uh, to, to the receiver. So there we go again. We got our who's sending the message the message and how it's received. So when you say something, it's how you, you know, you say it. So let's say, for example, I'm working with you again, right? And you say to me, I need you to do more stuff around here. You're not saying I don't do anything, but I may receive it as, oh man, he doesn't think I do anything. So it's just, I mean, it was an innocent thing. Hey, I need you to help me out. Maybe somebody's on leave or something. And I take it a whole nother way because of how your tone is, or how you deliver that message. Exactly. And that, and that's a, I mean, but that also comes over the whole point of, you know, cause you and I, we've gotten to know each other. So we actually, because we've built this relationship, we know each other's tones in a sense. We know each other's gestures that we're able to communicate effectively. And that's the whole point of this section is communicating effectively. Now we talked about different t- styles, you know, there's the, we talked about this verbal, there's nonverbal. Um, there's the mix of the two where you can have a verbal and a nonverbal at the same time, which communicates something could be communicating something totally different. Um, but barriers to effective communication. What are some barriers that you have run across of effective communication? Cell phone. The cell phone. You think the cell phone's a barrier? Yeah, because so for me, it's easy because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the army and I'm a sergeant. So I'm going to tell you, put your cell phone away and then we're going to have a conversation. But some of these young soldiers, you'll go to have a conversation and they will not even put their phone away and you know, they're not hearing what you're saying. So yes, it's absolutely a barrier uh, to good communication. I believe. I'll tell you, I mean, that's a good point. And I think it depends though. I I'm, 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 cause you know me, you know how I am about, I can, I'll text message all day, all day long because I find that it gets a larger spread or I can get more people involved and in a conversation, you know, with a mass text and stuff like that versus if I have to go search out each individual person. So I think it depends upon what the messages I'm trying to convey. Um, I love throwing a lot of emojis out there to help with <laughs> the emo, you know, the emotion. Cause like you said, you can't always tell is this person coming off as a smart aleck or whatever? Or are they become, are they serious? Well, you throw uh, one of the emojis in there and you're like, okay, yeah, I think I understand what they're going. Possibly. At, you know? But <laughs> yeah, it, absolutely. I, you know, and one of the, let me tell you, one of the barriers I find for effective communication, you, some people may agree and head not is just the lack thereof in communication. As in you're not speaking to me or you're not communicating in any manner whatsoever. I find that to be one of the biggest barriers, period, because we we fall into that assume mode where we assume somebody knows what we're wanting to do or talking about because we didn't communicate it. And to me, that's like, 
that's probably one of the biggest barriers I've ever dealt with because it's there's sometimes that somebody will take action, depending on what it is, and they'll take the action, but then they never tell you about it. And now you're gonna like basically blindsided by that action, and you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Um, I can tell you um from a personal note. I made a mistake some time back. I've learned about this with my my wife, and I'm going to give you a personal example, and I don't think she'll have a problem with it because this was a learning experience for the both of us. Um, so there was this little girl who she she um, her parents were kind of you know having issues and stuff, and I decided because I was running this program that we would take her in. I made the decision on the spot. Hey, we'll take her in and we'll take her to our house. Well. I never told my wife about it. I just assumed, yeah, I assumed she would just accept it. It wasn't that she wasn't accepted. She loved the idea. Still to this day, we talk, we have conversations about it. She loved the fact that we got to help that little, that young lady out as much as we could for that short period of time we had her in our home. It was the fact that I never talked to her about it beforehand. And she had a conversation with me about it. And you know what? To tell you the truth, to this day, I am so grateful for that. And we remind each other as a marriage, we communicate back and forth of, listen, if it's something bigger than I'm going to go purchase, a, you know, something under $50 or, 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 you know, like get gas or something. If it's something bigger where money is needed or it's life changing, we discuss it first. Even if it's just, Hey, what are you thinking about this real quick? I'm thinking about doing this. No matter what we talk about it, because it doesn't create that animosity. It doesn't create that uh, that uncomfortableness down the road. And I will tell you from that personal experience, and that was probably the biggest eye-opener for me that I've ever had within my marriage when it comes to communication. Wow, that's a yeah, that's a, definitely a good, it's kind of a, a barrier, but it's also plays into the, sec, the next point for effective communication too. Um, when understanding the other person's perspective, because if you don't have those conversations, right? then we can't understand their perspective, which to me still goes back to the barrier effect of communication. Mm. Cause one of the ones I was thinking of, you know, especially for me. So I was in the army in the nineties in the two thousands. Now I'm in the army in the 2010s. And then in the 2020s, I'll still be in the military. So you're talking about generational problems, you know? So when we, everybody bashes the millennials and I'm not going to jump on to the, the millennial bashing train, but communicating with millennials is absolutely a barrier. You have to learn to communicate better with them, more effective with them uh, in order to lead them. I believe. Absolutely, man. That is, I mean, that's a great point. That is, I mean, if you think about it, I think that's probably one of the biggest problems. People will sit there and say the, you know, say so many different things about millennials, but to tell you the truth, I don't, I don't see all the, you know, the, the problems. I just see a lack of communication I think if you start, we start communicating in a certain way and, and, you know, you think about it, well, I'm, are you, are you a, considered a Gen Xer or what you consider yeah, an Xer, right? Gen Xer. Yeah, I'm an X. <laughs> okay. Well, so, so they came up with another one they called Xennials. Oh yeah. And I think I, I fall in that one and we're like this, we're supposed to be this bridge between the Xers and the millennials and how, you know, because so supposedly what they say is, is that we were born at a time where technology was starting to boom and we grew up with that boom. So we were able to understand and learn it. Right. So, I, you know, obviously I was I was born in 79. So, you know, you think about it, all the great things started really happening. I mean, 
I don't know why the eight people don't look, you know, upon the eighties as being a great era. I thought they were wonderful. I, <laughs> we, we introduce our children to the eighties music all the time, even though they don't like it. Um, but, but with that, we were growing with that, that form of technology and how to communicate in certain ways and all that. So, you know, we're supposed to be that bridge, but I'm telling you, I just, I think that, you know, understanding the perspective of the other person, as you just said, that is key, you know, and let's, let's, let's reference this in a sense. We've both been there. When you came in the army, you came, what is an E1 private? Yeah. E1 private in 1991. (laughs) Okay. And I came in, I came in as an E1 private in 1998. Um, So we know we were there at one point, right? We're able to associate the mindset we had then. Now, is it completely the same as it was then? No. But if we can remember constantly what it was like to be an E1, to be the low man on the totem pole, kind of the guy or gal, because ladies out there, they were E1s too, the guy or gal that was an E1 at one point, and then we made rank. We were we have both held all the same rank except for one pretty much, right? So yeah. So we've both reached from the lowest man on totem pole to a senior level um, rank in the army. If we can take our perspective and remember, and I love this, I've always loved this, remember where we came from, it will help us in communicating down the road. Would you say? I I do agree. Now, my generational gap is a little bit bigger because, I mean, obviously the military has changed. and I mean, when I was the E1 they would still put their hands on you if they wanted to. So um, in a violent way. So it's a little bit, some things have changed that, you know, you got to let that go because if I remember those things and lead like that, my career would have been shortened and that's not effective anymore. That's not the way, you know, we inherited that from the Vietnam generation, honestly, but uh, yeah, no, I think that um, remember where you came from is super important. Like that's why. So I have a lot of pride in being from the state of Maryland uh, I still go home to my old neighborhood because it's the same thing. I want to remember where I came from because honestly, um, you know, after watching my family struggle, I don't want to go back there. So it's, it's, it's a booster for me to push me to do better things. So yeah, no, I absolutely am a big supporter of remember where you came from. It's the same thing as a leader. You weren't always the CEO of the company. You started somewhere else. And you need to remember those people below you. Absolutely. Because when you're like, well, I'm only giving raises to the highest echelon. Well, what about those lower people that you remember you struggled, that you ate ramen noodle for dinner because you didn't have that much money? What about those people? Uh, And and you've obviously forgot where you come from. And I think the best sergeant majors I've ever worked with are the ones who you can tell after 20 plus years, they have not forgot where they came from. That's a great point. I'm telling you. And it's, but it's being able to get into that perspective and be able to transform your eyes. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, we've talked about empathy in previous shows, right? That's another form of getting in perspective of the other person. So you understand what, you know, is being said from them, but also what you're saying, you understand how to convey the message. If you're just being very abrupt and matter of factly, then they're not going to, somebody's not going to accept your message as much if they're not that type of person, you know, um, maybe some people will accept it, but not everyone. So good point. Loved what you said there. Uh, 
understanding that side of the perspective. Let's talk about some good questioning skills because with communication, questions can answer so much for anyone, especially if you're somebody from influence. A person of influence can help develop those around them with the right type of questioning. And right off the bat, understanding how to ask a question. That is key, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, no, you don't want to ask it at weird times. And you want to listen. So big thing with communication is you need to listen more than you're speaking. So you need to time those questions so that it'll make that conversation take a different direction or whatever direction you want it to go in. Because honestly, uh, you you can do a lot of fact finding when you're trying to deal with, say, a subordinate who's facing some kind of difficulty. If you just listen what they're saying, ask open-ended questions at crucial times, and it'll steer the conversation. And when I say open-ended, I mean, we're not asking yes, no questions. We're asking questions that are going to take a sentence or two to answer because a lot of times people will reveal more than they intend to when you ask them those open questions. They'll get to talking, and next thing you know, they've told you three things you weren't aware of, especially I've, I've dealt with this a lot with soldiers, uh, soldiers in trouble for whatever, and you start talking to them. So a soldier doesn't come to work, right? And I'm talking to the soldier, and I'm asking a crucial question. I'm listening to him, and now it comes out that the soldier's wife actually abuses him, right? And I keep talking to him, and we ask him more questions, and it comes out that the soldier's been sleeping in his car in front of his house for a week. So now we know why the soldier's been late to work so often. So it's way more than you were late. I'm going to slam you. And that's that. But these questions is what drives that conversation and gets you more information. That's, and that's a real example. That soldier was 17 times late in a month in one month period. And when we dug into it, that's what the problem was. That's it, man. But you asked the right questions and that's what, you know, it kind of helps um, with the whole the whole idea of trying to, you know, help someone. Um, there's a great book that I, I actually have handed out to a few different people recently. I have it on Kindle, but I don't have the hard copy. It's called The Coaching Habit. Say less, ask more, and change the way you lead forever. I think this book, and like again, once again, as we always say, we are not an affiliate with this, but this is a key book to help people along. One of the first questions you ask when somebody comes at you, you know, or wants to talk to you is, you know, how can I help you? It's that, I mean, that, that easy. How can I help you? You know, I mean, how many different times have we said that to each other, Ed, and it turns into a massive conversation or a planning strategy or strategy planning session or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah, no, definitely, especially with you and I. I've learned more about planning through working with you just that little bit of time than I had in my previous 18 years of military service. I, I'm not even going to lie, just by asking you, what can I do to help? Well, here's my plan, especially when we're going through that curriculum change. I learned quite a bit during that curriculum change about leading and planning and being on a staff. Yeah, another really good question uh, that he actually brings up in that book, um, the author, is What's on your mind? I mean, can you imagine how that opens up communication across the board? Just saying, so what's on your mind? I mean, that to me, if somebody asks me that, I don't know where to start sometimes. Right. I may need another right. prompt because there's a lot on my mind. You know? <laughs> but then that's but, an, but that's another one where you so we talk about asking at the right time, right? So if I'm sitting in a sauna trying to get a sweat on, that's not the time to ask. You know what I mean? Like it, weird times. I just got to work. 
So what's on your mind? I just walked in the building. Like I don't. So again, our timing is crucial with these questions. Exactly, man. It's it and it's kind of understanding and having that what that emotional intelligence we talked about in episode seventeen to be able to kind of read what's going on and kind of understand that person to be able to kind of really ask the right right questions. But let's let's take that a little bit further. Taking the time to question rather than to answer. How much do you think that really helps? Uh, let's just say our influencer listeners, how much will it help them to be better influencers to take the time to ask the right question instead of giving answers? Well, so th- that goes back to knowing people too. So some people's personality is you give me the answer and it's absolutely not what I wanted the answer to be. That's not what I was thinking, but I just go along to get along. And so I just say, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Like that, that helped nothing at all. You have to, you know, the great, the great, uh, first Sergeant Rogers, you have to peel back the onion and get to the bottom. You got to get in there to the middle, fight through your tears and figure out what's really going on. Where if I tell you, Oh, your problem is this. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That I'd accomplished nothing. And you're not learning. You're not. So if I, if I ask the right questions and I dig in there, right. And I let you answer, then I figure out what you're trying to do and you learn something. And now we got some lifelong learning still going on. Absolutely. And, you know, um, so if I go back to that book and I'm going to leave this, I'm going to leave the book into the, uh, the show notes, like we always do, make sure you check those out. Um, just, just scroll down to wherever you're listening on, or, or just, you know, even go to our website, you'll find it. But, uh, within that, I asked you, so what's going on or whatever, and you answer it. And then I follow up. This is just another question to help out. And what else? That's all you have to say. If you pay attention to what they're saying, you're able to understand and you're creating that communication because in more times than 80, people really do want to hear themselves talk. And I hate to say, I hate to sound so, um, (laughs) I do, uh, like negative. No, that's what I'm saying though. You, because you, we want to express ourselves. Just sometimes we don't know how to, or we don't know when the right time is. So if we're able to do, try to, we're basically saying, "It's your soapbox. Stand on it, please, and speak to me." Yeah. And that's how you create that open dialogue, open communication. So what's on your mind? Or and then, and what else? That's two things. Um, I learned, I actually learned about this book through Pat Flynn, uh, the smart passive income guy, uh, through his podcast. Um, I was watching one of his videos and he talked about this. He did a book review on this book and I was like, well, let me, uh, let me check it out. And it is really, it's well-written. Um, it really helps open your eyes to how to coach somebody. And, and if you think about it, an influencer is that an influencer is a leader. They're a coach, they're a mentor, you know, they're a mother, they're a father, they're a brother, they're a sister. They're a son, they're a daughter. Um, there, there's so many titles that what an influencer is and to be able to help them along uh, and to help others along, that's the whole point of influence. That's your whole, that's our whole uh, reason why you're an influencer. So many of you out there that are influencers. I want you to try that out. You know, in the future, when you are, when you notice somebody is having issues or whatever, you know, just ask them. So what's on your mind? Allow them to speak. Give them 30, 40 minutes. I mean, 15 minutes, maybe. Who knows? Just let them talk. And when they get silent, then you say you hit them with another one. And what else? I'm telling you, and it's gonna it's gonna open them up. Um, you mentioned 
earlier, we, we talked about, uh, you know, asking questions is a lot better and being quiet and silent mm-hmm. is definitely the right answer. Um, I think we, I can't remember which episode we talked. Now I have to think back. Um, cause it's, you know, obviously it's been a while, uh, where we talked about not giving people the answer to their problem, allowing them by asking the right questions, allowing them to fix whatever problem they bring to you. Not, you know, not allowing them to drop that monkey off on the problem monkey on your desk and they can take it with them. I think that, you know, that helps out. Uh, probing techniques to gather more information. Let's say I did ask you what's on your mind and you started kind of piecing together uh, a problem that you had or, 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 um, or a goal that you're trying to reach. Do you have certain types of probing techniques you particularly like to use, Ed, to kind of get more information out of them? I, I'm going to tell you, I, I want to say yes, but I really don't. So what it, it depends on who it is. It depends on that personality, you know, uh, and how we handle that person. Um, some people, you can just be bottom line up front. You can go right at them. Some people, you got to kind of dance around to get where you want. So really, for me anyway, I've always thought that, you you know, um, it's how you get, because you, you don't want to shut them down, right? So if I approach everybody the exact same, and then I get to Schmuggatelli, and that's not the best route to get to him, I may shut Schmuggatelli down and not get to the bottom line. So, no, I think it's more, I think it's flexible. I think it depends on the person. I don't think I have a really particular set of skills. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, um, Hey, maybe another good thing is like, so let's say you're in a group, right? A group setting and somebody says something that's a little off key and you're, and it's kind of thrown off your spidey senses, so to speak. And you're like, wait a second, that's a little off. What's going on here? You know, cause you want to, and now you want to open up communication. You know, one of my probing techniques with that is I will lean towards them or go by them or I will, it depends upon where we're at. If it's in a meeting, I'll hold off until the very end and then I'll grab them or, um, or if it's, you know, like maybe there's like a briefing or something, I'll lean forward or I'll kind of go by their side and whisper in their ear and say, Hey, listen, can I speak to you right after we get done that, you know, and I say it usually in a low enough tone where they're the only one that can hear me. But to me, that's like a form of a probing technique I like to use because it's saying, Hey, listen, in a sense, it's saying, I heard you. I want to talk to you about that in a sense. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's actually, that's a good point. Yeah. It's just it just helps me kind of create that uh, one-on-one situation sometimes uh, when it comes to probing. Um, another probing technique to use within groups that I like to use also uh, is, what are your thoughts? Man, you throw that you throw that into a group of NCOs, non-commissioned officers in the United States Army, you better have a pen and paper, a lot of pen and paper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, because and then you get buy-in from them too, because now they feel like they're a part of the solution because they brought it to you. So that just gets you more buy-in because now it's our problem, not just something that they're dealing with on their own. Yeah, I, I like to, and I'm not saying it's just gimmicky. Like I like to say these things to you know get, but I like to use these because I find uh, certain things like that are, they create a positive atmosphere. They also create the I'm approachable. Um, type of situation where I say, you know, I like that. Um, let's talk more about that after. What else do we got? I'm push. I'm moving them along, right, to create that right. communication because sometimes, sometimes people will be the, you know, the the mouth completely for the entire group. We talk about it in a classroom, you know, where you have that one person in the classroom that just 
talk, 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 talk. And you're like, okay, I'm done listening. To you. <laughs> but I mean, they, they may have something important to say, but we also got to make sure that everyone within a group has a voice. Yeah. Because if they dominate, then, you know, uh, all you're ever going to hear is them. That doesn't help the situation. Uh, if you're, if you're in a business, you know, and you're in a workplace and you have one person that's always speaking, but maybe the other people are just uh group think group think, you know, maybe they're just agreeing to agree. I don't really agree, but I know that 10 of you agree with what he's saying. So I'll just go along, go along to get along. And now I'm not happy at work because, you know, we took the microwave out the break room or something, whatever. So yeah, you gotta, you know, be able to speak up and, it could be dangerous to have one person be the voice for all. Exactly. You know, and um, probably, and this is definitely something you're going to relate to. And those who have been in our, you know, in the positions we have with uh, in a teaching atmosphere um, with the ELM or the uh, experiential learning model, uh, we would often ask certain type. We had to listen, but we ask more feelings based questions to get that one buy in two to get them to open up and create that dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. It de- definitely gets more discussion going. So, yeah, because people are going to feel stronger. They're going to have feelings towards something. So they're going to want to speak their part versus, um, well, what's the answer to two plus two? Well, there's only really one answer, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, no one's going to, but if you're getting a, well, how do you feel about math and the ideas behind two plus two and three plus three, you know, Common you, core. you get the, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is we're getting that we're get you, you get a feeling from somebody, you're going to get more discussion. You're going to get more involvement, more communication. All right. So let's move on though. Let's move on to good listening skills because we, we obviously hit upon that um, as being, uh, w- you know, one of the ways to be able to kind of effectively you know, question, use questioning skills. So we have to understand how to listen and, you know, improving concentration when listening. Do you, let me ask you, Ed, because I know what my answer is on this, but do you, do you have a, uh, do you ever have an issue of where you feel like you've zoned out and you did not hear what somebody said? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have, especially if it's like one of the mandatory training classes and they're up there and they're lecturing and I definitely will go somewhere else in my head and then come back and be like, oh, is it over? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I've done it before myself too. How do you, um, how do you overcome that for on your, on your own side of things? One of the things I stopped doing, believe it or not, and this is going to really sound crazy and some people may not agree with it. I stopped taking notes. I don't take notes when I go into a briefing anymore, because if you take notes, you're paying attention to the paper and you're writing stuff down and you start zoning out and missing things. Uh, I try to make a lot of eye contact with the speaker because if I make an eye contact with them, that means if I start zoning out and the old eyeballs start rolling back in my head, they're going to see it. So it puts some pressure. And another thing is to sit close to the speaker because that's uh there's a proximity thing. You, they're close to you and then you're fearful of zoning out. Then at least I am. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, that's really a good point. Um, I don't quite uh, stop the notes so much. Um, I do try to make it a point to have some way to take down some type of notes, like if it's in a meeting or something, or really if it's just, you know, like I keep um, I keep index cards in my in my pocket. I keep, you know, we always have it. We're supposed to always have a pen on us. I keep index cards because just in case something is said, I can reach real quick to grab that out 
jot down something that's going to rejog my memory because what that does is it's forcing me. I only write down one, maybe two things, but now it's forcing me to listen, 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 and try to comprehend what's being said. Even in like a one-on-one situation, you know, um, the ninja, the bearded ninja, he, he was, I was discussing with him about, you know, uh, my daughter was going, she went off to college and then, uh, just some other things about college and whatnot. And he was explaining to me about different uh, avenues of approach on how to pay for college and whatnot. And he brought up, um, the AER and how they have a, they have a, um, they have a uh, scholarship that they give out, you know, and it's and not, it's not small and it's actually pretty nice. And he's like, yeah, and pretty much everybody, uh, he's known that's ever applied for it. They received it. And I was like, Oh, oh, oh stop real quick. I got to read my paper. What did you say was, was, and he explained to me and I wrote it down. Now I can talk about it because I, all I wrote down was AER college award. That's what I wrote down. And and then I later went back, talked to my wife about it, and we've done all kinds of research. My wife just sent my daughter some information, and she should be already applied for stuff like that. But that's the whole thing is, you know, it's using that as a quick reference allows me to concentrate on what the listener is saying because I find it to be important. But what about when something's not important or you deem something to not be important? What's a coping method you might use to help you concentrate on what the listener is saying? Oh, that's where the eye contact really comes because <laughs> it, it creates a connection. Eye contact really comes in there. Um, and, and we, and what we do, I mean, come on, it's 21 years, 21 years of every quarter doing training on sexual harassment and response of equal opportunity, 20 years, you know, so we've heard a lot of this stuff over and over and over. Now, since I worked as an instructor for the instructors, I pay attention to mannerisms and stuff and how they're delivering their class. And I have actually pulled some guys aside after a class and said, Hey, you know, next time you teach, I would recommend you could try these because it'll capture your audience better. So I try to use it as a teaching point, especially if the class is really boring and I've heard this a million times, I try to give them a fresh approach. I show them that book. I forget the name of the book, but I tell them, about the book with the creative and critical thinking tools in it and try to get them thinking that way. Oh, definitely. Um, I would definitely say on my side, I try to put myself in the position as how is this going to help me? How is this information going to help me? And it could be some pretty dry and boring stuff, but often that's what I want to go back to. How is this information going to help me become better to do this, to teach my soldiers, to teach um, my influencers that are out there wanting to learn to, you know, how is it going to help? And that's a lot of times where I like to, you know, like leave things because if I know it can help in some manner, some way, and I can remember something that's being said to me and it's going to help somebody else down the road, then I feel like I did exactly what needed to be done. All right. Uh, Demonstrating appreciation of the other person's point of view. You mentioned eye contact. That's one way. What are some other ways that you tend to demonstrate uh, appreciation of the other person's point of view? Uh, some kind of feedback. It could be a head nod or something. Uh, okay, I see. Um, I like to give it back to them. So what you're saying is that da, 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 da. if you and then that lets them know that one, you are listening to them and you provide that feedback. So that kind of gives them a sense of appreciation. Okay, he understood my message. I got my message across effectively. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it's turning it back to them, allow them to speak more upon it, because maybe it is something that you may not agree with, 
you may not like. But what you're doing is you're at least showing them the respect of what is being said and how they're saying it. Uh, you know, it could be it could be multiple things. I find asking a follow up question always helps with showing them, you know, their appreciation of what they're saying. A follow up question helps out now. And it could be something as small as, well, how can we work towards blah, blah, blah? But don't give me an answer now. Let's talk about this later. I just want you to think about it. It could be something as simple and easy as that. Yeah. And you don't have to continue the conversation because you don't want to be a part of it right then. Maybe you're maybe you're distracted. Maybe you have an important assignment that you have to get done, important task, uh, a particular project, whatever it be. But what you did is you said, I want to hear what you have to say, but give me some time a minute, you know? Yeah, that's a favorite technique, actually, of the ninja. He would definitely give you something to think about. And then you may not talk to him till the next day. And then he'll want to discuss it. And it could be something work related. It could also be something about his Yankees. But it'll be something that he'll be like, well, think about it like this. Maybe Bryce Harper isn't signing because boom. We'll talk about it. Let's talk about it tomorrow, though. Let's not talk about it right now, especially when he's busy. But yeah, it's a favorite technique of his. Um, and I think you get some buy-in. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I completely zoned you out there because you talked about the Yankees. So. Oh, it's so disrespectful <laughs> to the bearded ninja. Uh, oh. But I definitely think that, you know, one, and I, and I struggle with this sometimes, don't interrupt the speaker, I think is a good way. Yes. And then wait and formulate your, your thoughts before you speak because often we speak and then we're like wow i wish i hadn't said that or that's not what i meant exactly and you may lose some credibility doing that so don't interrupt and formulate your thoughts before you speak and i think those are effective ways i you know what man i i I couldn't agree with you more i think that is probably the best way to show appreciation of somebody else's point of view is not to interrupt. Even if you disagree completely and you want to argue your point, don't interrupt them. And it turns into a respect thing, right? And we want to show respect to each other, or I hope we do. Allow them to speak their point and then you speak yours. But if you interrupt, all it turns into in most cases is an argument and who can be louder. Yeah. And I mean, I saw one time a guy was teaching a class, right? And uh, and a SAR major didn't like how he was putting the information out, and he stopped the class. Like stopped the class, dismissed. And this guy was teaching a um, a class to the senior level leadership, and he stopped the class and dismissed everybody. That's not helping at all. You could have let him finish, unless he's saying something unethical, unmoral, or unsafe. You know what I mean? Like you could let him finish and then talk to him offline after. But to stop the class, and it was like 10 minutes into an hour class, just stopped it, didn't wait to see where it was going. That's To me, that's a terrible message he gave. Let me ask you this, though. How do you think their relationship was after that? Uh, I would be willing to bet that that senior non-commissioned officer would never volunteer to teach anything else again, right, while that SAR major's around. And it's a bad taste. It's a bad taste in his mouth about how that SAR major leads. At the time, that SAR major was a staff SAR major. He wasn't a command, and then he was a command after. But he's lost for he's lost leadership capital in that NCO because of how he's responded. And you know, obviously, you brought up a military side thing, but that can happen in a civilian organization. It could happen to in a friendship. It could happen into you know a family situation. So there's so many settings that that could happen. If you think 
just interrupting and kind of almost being disrespectful in that manner, you, I mean, you're literally cutting the communication cord, Absolutely. you know? And when I say that, I say picture, picture uh, the old tin can on one end, another tin can on the other end, and a nice tight string. Well, that string was pretty tight. And all of a sudden that person that decided to be disrespectful or be, uh, you know, outgoing came up with a pair of scissors and snipped it really quick. And it's caused a lot of problems. All right. Communication and, yep. but let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's push this good listening skills a little bit further spot by, you know, talking about spotting, uh, hidden meaning, feelings, emotions, because to me, this, that part right there falls very heavily in episode 17 about the, uh, the emotional intelligence, you know, influencing through developed emotional intelligence. So, Spotting hitting meaning, feelings, and emotions. How, by doing that, do you think that creates better listening skills, Ed? Well, I'm going to tell you. So you remember back when we did the episode on on suicide, I tell you about the soldier who says, well, I'm, I'm just done with it. Okay. So because I was listening to him, I picked up on, wait a minute, this could be a hidden there could be a hidden meaning to I'm done with it. And, and, you know, and, and come to find out the soldier is, is having suicidal ideations. Um, so if I hadn't been a good listener, I might not even have picked up on that, but I picked up on it. So that was important to me to, you know, to, as an influencer, to be able to do that and to help, help somebody. So yeah, it's not always going to be as severe as that situation, but you may pick up on something, you know, that, that you weren't aware of. Maybe that person is having some pain or, you know what I mean? And, and it comes out in the conversation. And if you're playing with your phone, you're probably not going to pick up on it. So that's why I, I think it's important to communication. Absolutely. And that's a great point to bring up that, you know, <clears throat> obviously there are points when you're talking to somebody or somebody's talking to you that you really have to pay attention and you may have to remove those distractors. Um you remember uh, in my previous office how things were set up. <laughs> the computer was set up behind me. I had like two little desks, one behind me, one in front of me. There was a reason for that. Because if I'm turned around and I'm facing the computer, that means I am not going to show you any type of attention. And so the hidden feelings, the hidden meetings there, to me, anybody who's sitting there should realize, well, I don't think he wants to talk right now, so maybe I should go. Versus... If I am completely turned around and I'm facing towards the other individuals and that computer's behind me, there's a definite uh, hidden meaning there. And it's, and it's not hidden. It's it's obvious. Hey, we're conversating. We're going to talk about this, you know, and I think, you know, that right there can speak volumes of us as the listener or the communicator. Either way, if we show that we're wanting to give our undivided attention to someone, they're going to communicate more. And you just said it about the cell phone. I love, I do. I love technology. I love my cell phone. I love my iPad, my, you know, my MacBook, whatever it is I'm, I've got there. Like for instance, the other day, my wife, uh, we were downstairs and she was trying to tell me about something. And I was, tr- I, I, I was literally sending you Ed a message on messenger. <laughs> and I said, oh, I literally, me. what's that? Said, so blame me. I wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> But I was trying to send you a message about the show and some, you know, thoughts about it. And 
she was talking to me at the same time. I looked up at her and I said, can you, can you hold that thought for just a moment? Let me finish my train of thought and send this message out and then I'll put it down and we'll talk. And she was very accepting it. But I was able to convey that, communicate that to her. And then we had a fine conversation not long after. But it's, it's really, it's, you know, being able to uh, express that when you need to, right? And emotional intelligence I mean, we'll, we'll probably do a part two to emotional intelligence I, 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 down the road. I, I foresee us doing a part two episode because it is so crucial as an influencer, especially I, as an instinctive influencer. Go ahead. I, th- I hope that when we do our Q&A uh, episode that we have a lot of questions that actually come from that, that episode. That was one of my favorite episodes, actually. Well, that- the, the ninja, Q&A. But. <laughs> no, yeah. The, well, the Q&A episode, uh, just to let you all know, we're our very first Q&A episode will be released coming up on May 28th. That's episode 25. We we definitely, and I was I actually brought that up. It's in my notes right here that I was going to talk about later towards the end. But uh, we figured what better of an episode, kind of like that 25th episode being our Q&A because it's like, Basically, kind of established. We're a quarter of a way through 100 episodes. And so be prepared. Um, there's going to be some really good stuff talked about there. And I think it's going to be really fun. Don't know how long it's going to be yet because we still haven't recorded it yet. But I'm telling you, uh, Q&A, it's going to be a good time. And if you tune into that one and something doesn't get answered, doesn't get talked about, make sure you shoot us a message. Um, you can find both Ed and I. Uh, on Facebook. That's probably your best bet to get a hold of us. You can also get a hold of us through the website, you know, instinctiveinfluencers.com. If you haven't saved that or bookmarked it, please do. But you can get a hold of us in any way and shoot us questions. And if you want us to specifically talk about it on the show, put that in there. Hey, can you talk about this on the show? We are very open. That's the whole point about influence. And that's what we want to try to do. But let's get yeah. back to let's get back to the last little area. Um, we've already talked about effective communication. We talked about good questioning skills. We've talked about good listening skills. Now let's talk about the impact of poor questioning and listening. Um, creating confusion and misunderstanding when questioning or listening. What are some of the keys that you want to kind of throw out there of how we can, um, avoid certain instances that create that confusion or misunderstanding, Ed? Well, I think, a big thing is uh, clarity, which to have clarity in any kind of discussion, we need to understand what's the purpose of discussion, where it's to find something out or just to see legitimately, Hey, how's the transition? uh, How's the transition to Korea going, George, or whatever it is, but you need to understand what your purpose is and you need to be clear and concise in how you speak so that you're avoiding any misunderstandings. Oh, that's a great point. Clarity. Clarity is key in any conversation because if, if you don't make sure and, and, and this is through questioning and listening, you, you do those things to make sure that the message is conveyed back and forth properly through clarity. If you don't understand what's being said, ask the question, what do you mean? If you're not seeing that uh, that response from them on their side, when you're stating something, you need to be very observant because you're probably going to get like a deer in the headlights type look. And Hey, are you getting what I'm saying? Um, there are certain ways you can ask questions to also to get feedback such as what do you think about that? I'm right there alone. 
As soon as you say, what do you think about that? Now you're listening for keywords. They may say something, oh, well, you know, that's not too bad. I think that's great. Well, that's not, that's not key words that are going to indicate to me that they were listening to what's being said, or that's not key words that I should be using to indicate to them of what's being said and talked about. So we really have to be uh, paying attention to those types of things. Um, clarity is big. I also would have to say that assuming is a huge, huge confusion and misunderstanding point. If you assume something is supposed to be this or that, or you assume that, well, I, I assume they would know you've already made that mistake and you've actually, you've created that uh, miscalculation that there is no clarity there, obviously, because you assumed that instead of actually communicating that point. What do you say? Yeah. And I think part of the clarity thing is like be upfront with what you're trying to get out of whatever the question or conversation is about. So let's talk about, we'll talk about the show. And we got something, another segment that we're working on kind of to come up, right? And so when I when I said, hey, I, I really like to do this, I came to you and said, hey, here's what I want to do. The worst thing you could have said is, eh, I don't really think that's a good idea. But I told you straight out what I wanted. And if you said, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea, then I can go back to the drawing board, try to jazz it up, or I could even ask you those follow-on questions all right, well, what are some ways that you'd like to change it to kind of get to this general place with that segment? So asking for what you want adds to the clarity. There's no confusion. All they can say is no. And if you're afraid to ask for what you want out of the conversation, you're saying no for them. Don't say no for them. Let them say no, because they may surprise you and no is not the answer. And, you know, you may end up going the way you want to go. So, I mean, of course, I have a relationship with you that I'm just going to say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What you think? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because you know that, hey, I'm going to respond to you no matter what. And that's the relationship we have. Um, I would definitely say, you know, another area too, when we, we if we think about this, another uh, key area that can create confusion and misunderstanding is literally how we're, how things are physically being said. If you're talking too fast, you're talking too slow, you're talking monotone, um, you're talking in riddles, so to speak, where it's you're just using lots of adjectives and a couple pronouns and maybe one action verb. Uh, when you, you know, say so to me, that also creates a massive amount of confusion because if you're not saying it in the form or the way that I understand or the way that I can learn from you, then you literally have just lost me in the conversation. If you're trying to talk like you're super smart, like you're this really intelligent person, well, that's okay to a certain extent. But what you're doing now is you're just, you've disconnected yourself from everybody else who doesn't know what um, the word caveat means. You, know <laughs> <laughs> you find that funny, don't you, Ed? I do find that funny. I've, I feel like I've been I've heard you explain that to people before and then they still use it wrong. Uh, but uh, it's the same and that's because I, yeah, but do you think about it? That's because I probably used it in the wrong setting of making the correction on that word. I can, I miscommunicated. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is, so I, I was reading some of the articles that you gave me for the show prep and it actually says that people perk up and listen when you tickle their ears with the sound they don't expect. So it encourages you to use some words that aren't normal or to kind of just 
kind of switch things up. Don't say the standard old, same old, same old, because then they hear something new and you know, everybody likes the new, Oh, that's new. But at the same time, like you said, don't try to use $50 words and you got a $10 budget. Like it just doesn't work like that. And you get people to do that all the time. They try to use these words and it's like, literally the last four words you said meant the exact same thing. So yeah, yeah, you, you want to, and so that's part of, so, you know, we talked about on over the new year, uh, I don't do the resolution thing, but goals, but one of the goals for me is to read an hour every day and it's to increase my vocabulary because you want to increase your vocabulary because then when I'm having these discussions, then I can tickle their ears with something they haven't heard before because I've increased my own vocabulary. And that also is what helps us get that profanity out of our vocabulary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about it. When you hear words like, say, dynamic or innovative or uh, absolutely community. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's a way I, I actually just found something about that the other day. And I'm going to share it with you and in, uh, in the, uh, the Bearded Ninja. It's funny because actually that word itself is supposed to be an attention getter. I was like, what? Uh, it was in one of the articles that I actually yep, said, I, I saw it. Say, but I thought. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, the old man, he is onto something, you know? Because so it conveys the confidence, right? So yeah. if I say, if you say, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this, this, this. And I say, yeah, that's absolutely a good idea. Now you're like, oh, he believes in it too. Yeah. So now I just gave you some of my confidence. So yeah, no, absolutely. That's what that article, pretty much the gist of it. You're right. It was saying is words like absolutely. Yep. I'm I'm actually it looking at it as a confidence. I'm looking at it right now. It says it's 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 how you become more expressive. Uh, the word absolutely increases the power of practically anything you suggest. Who could argue with anyone that it has, uh, that is this absolute? Um, so it's, yeah, you're funny. It's funny that you said that because that is a word that we have, we have come, uh, we talked about it in the, uh, the interview with the bearded ninja, but that, that is a word that's in our vocabulary. And sometimes I think I use it too much. And I, it's my crutch word. So, you know, we talk about crutch words in, when we're teaching and people have like, so, and, uh, my crutch word is absolutely, I say it a lot. Mm-hmm. So let's think about this also. Impact of poor questioning and listening skills. It can also create uh, your chance to receive new ideas from yourself, others, or whatever, and basically stifling creativity. Go. What do you think? You know, we actually kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, Brian, when we said that if you ask questions and it doesn't mesh up with that person's personality, you're going to shut them down. And it's the same thing here. That person I just shut down, right? Schmuggatelli had a great idea that he put a lot of work into on how we're going to do something. But because of how I talked to him, how I, my interpersonal tact with him, he shut down and now I lost out on something that maybe that makes my company, uh, X amount of dollars this year, or maybe that uh, makes us more efficient in our marketing department or, you know, so, so much that goes into Schmuggatelli's idea, but because of how I responded to him and my poor questioning and my lack of listening, um, we, we lost that. We just lost money. Brian, we lost yeah. money, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't, I don't like to lose money. I'm not, I'm not uh, that kind of person. So uh, it's funny. I find that uh, one of the best ways 
to get receive new ideas and to you know and to really build up creativity. I learned from you and uh, Mr. Williams and and that crew of when we started doing the uh, the groupthink mitigation, and then you suggested to me that book Red Teaming. Yep. I that book changed things for me a little bit because I was able to now branch off. Now I always did something that we called war gaming. Basically where you thought, okay, well, this is what could happen. And you go through all kinds of different little scenarios in your mind and you plan for all these and you create courses of action for all these different areas. And war game was always, um, it, well, it's not always, it's been for a long time. It's been within my repertoire, um, as a leader, as an influencer is I need to war game this through to kind of get basically to the objective I want to reach. When I got turned on to the red teaming book, and I, I not only bought the book, but I also bought the audio book um, <laughs> because there's just so much there. I want to hear the guy talk about it. Also, I want to go back and read it myself. And then what we learned together in the classes and we taught um, we taught all the different instructors about groupthink and all that. I mean, brother, that is, I can't recommend it enough. I learned so much from that and was taught how to communicate properly, uh, not, not just properly, but better because now what we're doing is we're opening up minds. We're opening up thoughts. We're getting people to speak their thought on things from experiences, their feelings, uh, what they've learned from the past, what they think could happen. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal of the directions you can take it. And the author he really does a good job going through and telling you not only the background of it, but also how it can effectively help you within any type of area of life, um, business especially. Uh, so what, what do you say on that, my man? First of all, those two young soldiers there at the academy that I mentor still have my book, one of them. Uh, I don't know which one, but I, they need to give my book back. Uh, no, <laughs> I think so. That goes right back to our whole thing, right? So that book came into you. I, I picked that book up at a discount bookstore that I miss with all my heart. And, and it was timing, though, because we were going into some of these things and I was in there trying to figure out, OK, we're going to be teaching these new techniques. How can we teach these new techniques? All right. Let me look for some books on the topic. I found that book. And I was like, wow, they're all, a lot of them are in here. And I bring it back to the, to the academy. And now you're learning from it. I'm learning from it. Those two young soldiers who have it have used it when they were being evaluated for their instructor badges, right? Lifelong learning and at its finest. Uh, but Little Impact, one book for $2 at a discount bookstore had. Look at the influence that one book that I just happened to find and brought back CAD. It's, it, um, that book alone has kind of helped us completely transform the, the whole going from being an instructor and a teacher to a facilitator. Um, and it's not only us, though, man. Like, there's other places around this great nation that uh, of academies that are using the same thing. So if you think about it, like, it's a force multiplier. Think about the bowls, the two bowls that I talk about. What do you lose? What do you gain? If you were to try to learn and understand that book and understand some, just some, not all, some of the uh, the, the different types of methods in there, you're going to gain so much more than what you lose. As a business person, I couldn't explain to you enough 
if you're a guy who's in charge of marketing or a part of marketing, you're in the sales area, maybe you're um, the the HR type of guy, person, guy or gal, because I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to exclude anybody because everyone <laughs> can hold. Maybe you're the, you're, you, maybe you're the chief of whatever within an organization. You're going to gain from that particular book because it's teaching you methods on how to use the people around you to build it better. And if you think about it, in our train up, when we did our train up, we used those same very methods to teach the actual lesson plan. So not only were they learning how to do those things, but also they're learning the material that they needed to know at the same time. So we were basically we were doubling up on this stuff, which made it amazing. Yeah. Now let's let's bring it back to today's episode, right? I come to you with that book. We're talking about impact of poor questioning and listening. I come to you with that book and I start explaining to you and you go off into Brian land in inside your head and you don't listen. Right. And you don't say, Hey, well, let me check that book out. That book never gets introduced to you and it never starts impacting the, uh, the curriculum changeover. I'm going to be demotivated. Like I went out and looked for this book to try to help us to make this transition. And you just blew me off. So that's that's what happens when you don't listen, right? You didn't listen to me. You blew me off. Now I'm frustrated. I'm not motivated anymore. And meanwhile, it was just because maybe uh, you had a bad day at the house and you had other things going on that I wasn't aware of. And so all this miscommunication, it's, it's a terrible thing. And, and it would have a, a huge influence is lost through that, that one simple error. Absolutely. That's, and that's a great point because that's literally the last point we're going to talk about with this. Um, and that was under the impact of poor questioning and listening. It's poor questioning and listening will cause frustration and demotivation, no matter what it is. Um, and sometimes, all right, so when we're communicating with people, sometimes we don't realize what we're saying, the tone we're saying, and, and the, the nonverbal uh, cues that we're showing will create that frustration and demotivation because we're not trying to, put, let's go all the way to the very beginning. We're not putting ourselves in the other person's perspective. We're not trying to be in receiver mode while in uh, transmit mode. And, and it, that can be a tough thing for some people. It really can. And I understand because I had a hard time with it for a very long time. But now when I th- before I even say something, I the first thing I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind I'm thinking is is, all right. If I was them, how would I receive this? All right, is my message gonna frustrate them? Is my message going to demotivate the group around me, or the person that I'm talking to, or my spouse, or my children? You know, so that's what's very key to think about as an influencer, and. In, all of the different things we've talked about thus far, all the way up to this this particular episode, episode 20, um, we have to realize that if you're not communicating in the right manners, you're going to create that frustration and that, that demotivation. And whatever you're trying to achieve, now you can only hope that you will achieve it. There's no more uh, a clear plan of achieving. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and and the clear clarity, I talked about clarity. You have to have, you can't be confident if you don't know where you're going. 
You know what I mean? Like if I get in a car and I say, well, I'm going to, um, I don't know. I'm going to Paris. Uh, I don't have a map. I don't have a GPS. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not clear in where I'm going exactly. So can I really start out and be confident I'm going to get to Paris? Probably not. You know, so it's the same idea with communicating. I need to know where I want to go with this conversation. When you pull somebody aside that did poorly in a class they were giving, and you, you want to know, I want to make this person better. How am I going to make this person better? Okay, this is how I'm going to make this person better. And when they speak, I'm going to listen. And then they're going to say, well, I, I'm, I had it. You know, a lot of times you'll hear, I had it on my note cards. I just didn't follow through. Okay, then we need to just work on some way to help you follow your note card, to organize your note cards. Oh, I dropped them. And, and they're all mixed up. Okay, let's work on that. How do you think we can fix? And then we can start communicating to fix things. So, yeah, no, definitely um, very important to understand the clarity and where you're going. That's it, man. Hey, I would tell you that I've just the research for doing this particular episode, it helped me um, identify things that I've always known or I've always wanted to kind of understand. Uh, those of you listening, when when I put the show notes up, I'm going to ensure that I add in the, these four areas and under each one of these four areas, it talks about three other little areas. And that way you can kind of look at it too and say, okay, I, all right. Yeah. Because sometimes we need that, you know, maybe listening to it didn't help you, but maybe you want to read about it or read a little bit of it. And then you can, you know, kind of correlate what we're saying and you can even put yourself in the shoes of uh, what we were talking about. So we're go I'm going to make sure we do that because I really want to make sure we get this, this, this point across because, you know, right there beside emotional intelligence of being an influencer is communication. To me, those two are hand in hand. If you're going to be a good influencer, or an influence upon others, you have to have good emotional intelligence and good communication skills. If you lack either one, well, you're going to have issues. I, I, I can almost promise you that because I speak from experience when I say that I've been the uh, on the opposite side of being a good communicator. I've been the very poor communicator. And, and it's not like all of a sudden I flipped a switch and now I'm the great. No, I still have my issues here and there. But as long as we try to learn from those things, what do we call that when we keep trying to learn? Uh, well, Ed? one, it's lifelong learning. And you're also talking about self-awareness, self-regulation from our emotional intelligence episode. Oh, <laughs> it's funny that you said that. Cause I was just, you said both things. I was just trying to get you to bring up lifelong learning because, you know, that's a key thing for us. But yes, absolutely. You are, you are correct. Um, so with that, Ed, what else, do you have anything else for the uh, listeners on, on uh, effective communication? Uh, practice. And Hey, so we talk a lot about business and we talk about military. This stuff works in your household. And one thing that my wife and I picked up, we went to a, uh, to a, a marriage retreat one time and they gave us this magnet that looked like the old kitchen floor and whoever held the magnet, that's who spoke. So you don't speak over each other. Um, and it taught you, you know, that couples are going to argue, but it, it, the marriage retreat actually taught us how to argue. And a lot of it focused on effective communication. Don't fly, excuse me, don't fly off the handle. Don't, you know, say what you're feeling in the heat of the moment. Have a cue with your wife that says, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and re-talk about this. Um, so these things don't just apply to you as a leader in an organization. It applies to you as a leader in your household as well. Well, that's a great point, Ed, because... It's task time. It's time to give out the assignment. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is all I want you audience. You're going to go to that closed Facebook page. Um, and the day that this, this particular episode launches, then you'll see something uh, from the page that asks you, what are some great methods of effective communication that you have learned? Please tell us about that. Um, explain, maybe give an example. Obviously, don't go too far in depth so you're embarrassing anybody or giving out information you shouldn't. Um, but let us know because one of the things about this whole show, he mentioned earlier, is lifelong learning, is we're creating a community of influencers. If you can give someone a method that you have used that may help them, you've just grown at least one person, maybe two, maybe three. Ed and I read everything that goes across those posts. And I can tell you right now, I have enjoyed it every single time I see some uh, different content from somebody else because it helps, you know, helps me grow. And don't be like, if all of a sudden you see somebody posted what you thought you were going to post, then post what you were going to post no matter what. Don't, don't change it or try to come up with something new because your point of view is not going to be the other person's point of view. And that's the whole, you know, that part, understanding the other person's perspective. Give us your perspective so we can try to understand and learn from you. What do you think about that, Ed? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I do enjoy reading this stuff. I enjoy seeing the support. Um, I, I know this episode's going to air a few months from now, but I actually did a live tonight just to thank people for their, their support. It's been overwhelming. Uh, I think it's been awesome. Uh, I go and look at, at reviews and, and look what people put about the show uh, every day. I look for it because it just, it makes you feel good that we've reached somebody. If we, I, we reach one person, then I feel like that's the reason we keep doing these podcasts. Uh, hopefully it's a lot more than one, but if we just reach one person and make them a better person and we learn from them, then that's why we do it. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, really. Um, I want to go, you know, in my mind, I go all the way back when you said that I go back to episode one, when I, when I mentioned that this is actually something that's grown as a journey for you and I, and we're just bringing everybody else along if they want to be a part of it. Yep. Get on board. Come along. <laughs> all right. All right. So we've got a few announcements, a few things here to talk about the website, instinctiveinfluencers.com. Go check it out. You can actually review us or put on comments on there. Um, We'll obviously review them. We can look at them and stuff before they actually post, but make some make some comments on there. You know, let us know what you think. Go to our website and talk about it. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens down the road. Another thing, the Facebook page. There's, like I said earlier, there's the business side and then there's the closed group page. The business side, it doesn't mean we're a business. It just that's just one of the formats that we had to use to be able to make this podcast known. And then we created, actually, I created the closed group before the business page. I linked the two. We want you to get on there and kind of check out what's going on and share it. Like everything that you see from us that you can share, please share it because we're trying to get this out there to the farthest regions, all the corners of the earth, and just try to, you know, get more people involved and then be a part of that closed group page. Answer the three questions and just hit submit. Um, there's literally four people that approve everyone. It's myself, Ed, my wife, and Ed's wife. All right. So that's it. That's that's who reads those questions. No one else reads those. Um, so please go in there, answer those questions, and be a part of that group. A lot of great stuff going on. All right. Instagram. We have an Instagram account. We also have a Twitter account. Uh, we also have LinkedIn. Now, with that, Instagram and Twitter, there's the instinctive influencer ones, and then there's the our personal ones that Ed and I each have. Hey, go check it all out. 
I'm not high. I won't hide anything from anyone. I don't think Ed's very open about everything. We want this to be a, not only community, but we, we also create life, uh, lifelong friendships too within this. All right. So check those out. LinkedIn. That's more of a business type thing. I love reading and I like to afford a lot of good content that I read on LinkedIn. There's some really great information there. Go check us out. Go check out some of the things that we've we've added to it. It's really, really great. And finally, I brought it up on May 28th. Episode 25 will be that Q&A one. We're really excited to do that one because this is finally that time where you as the listeners have given us those questions that we've asked for. Um, and you know we've asked for them multiple times on the, uh, the Facebook page. Hey, throw us your questions. What do you want us to answer? What do you want us to talk about? That's you know exactly what it is. We want to build a good episode around that. So um, I hope, I hope you listen in uh, to all the episodes. But really, you know what you ask us. If you want us to mention your name and what you ask us, we will. If you don't, please say so. Hey, don't add, don't add my name. That's cool too. We want to keep you anonymous if that's what you like. We'll keep it, you know, whatever way. But we don't ever want to take the credit of anybody else. All right, if it's not our idea, we're not taking that credit. Um, but with that. I'm very, very proud of you know what we've been able to accomplish with the whole group thing, and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, we're goodness, we're on, we're not that far into it. Um, I mean, it feels like it has been because we've been he and I have been working on it for so long. I mean, you think about this is this is only April that this is coming out, um, and I mean that's it seems like it's like four months into it, but really, I mean Ed and I we were working on it for almost six to eight months before the new year even hit back in January. So it's, it, it almost feels like we've been, it's, it's getting close to that one year mark, Ed, wouldn't you say? Uh, I I would, it's been, it's been fast. Uh, I think back to the first one in my, my office and I'm like, wow, we've come a long way. And uh, you know, we don't sound terrible on the early ones, but we sound better now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I've, I've listened to those multiple times. Remember we just commented back and forth not too long ago about that. Like, wow, we really didn't know what we were doing then. Yeah. But we figured it out and uh, we're just going to get better through feedback from our listeners. Absolutely. You have anything left uh, you want to say to the listeners Ed, before we close it out? Nope. That's it for me. I'm good to go. All right, brother. Hey, I I really enjoyed this conversation with you. I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you for listening. Have a great day.